We've been looking at the Revelation. Uh, scary book for some, good book for others. Um, and uh, it's, it's a really important book for our time, for where we live. We're up to chapter 5. We looked at chapter 4 last week. Um, but I, um, I want to tell you today, we're going to go through this passage and um, afterwards we're going to talk about what it means for us. And what it means for us is going to be really good. So get that. Okay, do you understand that? So what I'm saying is be patient till the end. As with the Revelation, there's always some explaining to do. But last week we heard about a great throne. There was lots of thrones really, but there was one great throne. And that was the throne of God the Father. And his throne was kind of the highest throne. And there were elders who were on their own. They had their own authority, but they bowed down. And there was these living creatures. And they bowed down. And then we found out later there was going to be a great multitude of people. And they bowed down and they burst into song about God the Creator. Now, in uh, the book of Revelation, there are three types of worship songs. Three types of worship songs. Number one, they praise God as last week because he was creator. And sometimes we have songs like that. We sing, don't we? They also praise him. This week we find he is praised because he is the saviour, the redeemer. And we sung songs like that this morning too. But there's a third sort of song that we're going to get later in the Revelation, which we don't sing many of. He's praised because he is the judge who will judge all people righteously. That's actually good to know too, isn't it? He will judge all people righteously. We used to sing the song, Thine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. Yeah, there are songs about judgment. Uh, That's probably the only one. But anyway, let's move on. I'm going to read uh, from chapter 4, which continues on with this great throne. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated, seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back. Sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voices of many angels, numbering myriads upon myriads, or ten thousands upon thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all, of, and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honour and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Now, we've got an awesome picture of worship there, don't we? Can you feel it? Just a little bit? Hopefully, be included in that. Okay. What we're hearing here and last week together are foundational for the Bible, for the Revelation, and for us. They are of crucial importance. So, as I said, we're going to just go through a bit of the detail, and then we're going to pull out what it means for us. So then he, so he sees the one seated on the throne and he's holding a scroll that's written on the back and the front. Now, scrolls in those days were made of, you know, the papyrus and they were apparently papyrus reeds and they were, they were glued together at right angles and they made it as long as you needed the scroll and then you would roll it up, right? And this scroll's written on both sides, which means it's full, it's complete, it's right to the end. And what does this scroll contain? That's what you want to know, isn't it? And we actually know this. It contains history from beginning to end. Everything. It contains world events, God's workings, God's grace, God's judgment, his, his plan, his purpose, your history, your lives. Everything is on this scroll. And it seems like this scroll has some sort of seals which when you unroll it some and then it's sealed and then you unroll it some more and then it's sealed and there's seven seals like this along the way. And then there's a mighty angel and he proclaims with a loud voice, who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven, no angel, no celestial being, none of those living creatures, none of the elders, none of the multitude, no one in heaven or on earth, is worthy to open this scroll. And he begins to weep loudly. Now, you will weep loudly too if you don't know that there's someone in control of history. Do you get that? I'll come back to that in a minute. But no human being can be the Lord of history, except one, we find out in a minute, don't we? Paul says this, in, in Romans 3, when he's talking about the sin of men, none is righteous, no, not one. There's not a righteous person in this world. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside and together have become worthless. Or, you might say, unworthy. Not worthy of the things of God. We have all become unworthy. No one is worthy. Now, you might say, well, why are the angels? They can't open the scroll either. How, why can't they? I mean, they haven't sinned, have they? Because there's something about what this lamb has done which is far and beyond even the angels or any other celestial being. 
Okay. But again, this weeping, you will have great misery if you don't realise that there is someone in control of history. Okay? Because our lives are often completely out of control. The lives of our families are out of control. There is one who is ruling over all. Then one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's a great picture. Can you picture a great lion? There's this great lion from the tribe of Judah. Now, uh, it, it, uh, I'll read on. The root of David has conquered. He has conquered this lion. And he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Now, in uh, way, way back when... Jacob was dying, he blessed his sons, the 12 sons. Remember, that became the 12 tribes of Judah. And to Judah, he said this, this is in Genesis 49. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter, that's a scepter of rulership, shall not depart from Judah nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until the tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the people. Jesus was from the line, line from the family tree of Judah. That's where he came from. Yep. He is the lion of Judah and he's the root of David. Now, hang on. The root of David. Now, we're told that Jesse was like this stump. Jesse was um, David's dad was like this stump that had been cut off and then a sprout came from bringing new life and that was Jesus. But this is not saying that. This is saying, you know David, King David, the great king over all of Israel, Jesus is his root. He was before him. He is the greater king. He is everything. You understand? Who's, how much authority does this one have? He has all authority. And he has triumphed and he's conquered. Right, so obviously we know how a lion conquers. It tears things to bits. With its great claws and its mouth and its teeth and its strength, yeah? But that's not what he sees. He said, oh, the Lion of Judah. And he turns and what does he see? A lamb. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing. Hang on, see, see he's on the throne, but he's, work, he's among the people. He's, he's walking around. A lamb standing as though he had been slain. With seven horns and seven eyes, that always confuses. Understand? This is picture language and it's telling us something. I'll explain it in a minute. And which the seven eyes are the seven spirits of God sent out to all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand. So this is the elder went and took the scroll from the one who sits on the throne and he gives it to Jesus. I'm telling you, this is Jesus. You need to know this. And everybody worships and falls down and it's a great moment. The Lamb. Remember what John the Baptist says when he sees Jesus coming? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away our sins. That's who he sees. Why does he look like he's been slain? He was slain when he took away our sins. Now, in the Revelation, the great book which shows the incredible power and majesty and authority and plan of God, 
Jesus, the great king, the king of kings and the lord of lords, is 29 times called the lamb. There's his victory. How's his victory? In being the lamb. Do we understand this? He has been slain. Where did, where did Jesus make victory? Where he was slain at the cross. That was the victory of God. Okay? And now he's risen, ascended and glorified. And all of that tells us Jesus, the lamb, he's the one. Okay. Now in John 20, after Jesus' resurrection, remember he's talking about touch me, touch my scars. Touch my side, Thomas. Even the resurrected Jesus still has the scars of crucifixion. And in heaven, when you meet Jesus, it's quite possible, as uh, Casting Crowns reckon in the song, he's the only one who's going to have scars. Just him. Because by his scars is our healing, our forgiveness, our redemption. Okay? Because at the cross he defeated Satan. At the cross, he defeated rebellious man and the world and all of our sin. He conquered there. And so he alone comes with the references required to open the scrolls containing history. Because he did at that cross what no one else, no angel, no one else ever, no person could ever do or ever has done. Only Jesus, the king, the ruler of all. Okay, now these seven horns, horns in the Revelation and right throughout the Bible is talking about strength. And seven's the perfect number. He has perfect strength, right? And the seven eyes are the sevenfold spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who sees and knows everything. Everything in your heart, in your mind, the Holy Spirit knows perfectly. In Zechariah, in similar language, It speaks of the seven eyes of the Lord which range throughout the earth. They're always seeing. They're looking. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows everything. The sevenfold spirit of God goes out then to the earth proclaiming Jesus, Lord, Saviour, over all. So Jesus has the scroll. He has all authority given to him he is the alone worthy to control and lord over history. Now we're told later on, right at the end, he gives it all back to the Father. He doesn't want to hold on to it. He's happy being the Son of God. But that's another story for later. When he took the scroll, everybody falls down in worship. They worship both the Father and the Son because of the incredible act of the humility and the self-giving of God the Father who gives over authority to the Son. When we think of authority, we think of people beating up other people and ruling over, and here we see God the Father with all authority, giving all authority to the Son, and later he hands it back. It's nothing like this world, is it? Okay. And they play harps. That doesn't mean in heaven that it'll, it'll only be harps and no electric guitars. Probably it'll be mostly electric guitars, no organs um, in heaven. But um, that's my view. The harp is the instrument that's worthy of acceptable worship. Okay. 
except my joke. And, and there's golden bowls full of incense, and we're going to talk about them more as time goes on. Uh, but they are the prayers of the saints. They used in, in, and the incense that's used only in worship, as described in, in Exodus. And they sung a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign ever. They sang this new song. The new song is given when something special happens in God's kingdom. Jesus has done something that no one else could do. He's freed humanity by suffering in their place and he has saved them. He has purchased us for God. And what was the cost? What was the price? We hand over money at the shop and we get something back. He bought our lives with his blood, with his death. He died He gave up his blood for us. And not only us, but for every tribe and tongue and nation. Now, uh, we laughed. We were at a meeting the other day and they handed out this painting of Jesus, you know, in the 1500s, one of those, you know, paintings you see. And again, Jesus is the white boy. He's he's a white. It's like, Jesus wasn't white. He he was was from, uh, you know, the Middle East. Yeah. And he saved us in Australia. He saved people in Zimbabwe. Yeah. He saved, even saved Poms. English people. He did that. Yeah. And people from South America. Yeah. Because his blood was shed for all. That had been his promise, his intention from the start. When he said to Abraham, through you... All people on earth will be blessed. All of them. That's good, isn't it? Okay. A total redemption for all who will believe or put their trust in Jesus. Okay. And he has made them, the saints, to be a kingdom, a kingdom of God. Uh, they, they will be part of his kingdom they will be priests in other words they will go straight to God you don't need a mediator you don't need to go to anybody else to get you right with God there's one mediator Jesus after you're with him you, have not, you will directly come to God isn't that awesome no go-betweens and they'll reign in Christ on the earth both in the present and in the future that had been God's intention right from the Garden of Eden you'll rule over the earth. That's what, that's what God said to Adam and Eve. And, and Romans 8 tells us there's going to be a restoration of that rule of God's children over all the earth. It's his intention. Okay. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering millions and millions of those, all the angels are crying out with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb, Jesus, who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honour and glory and blessing. Do you notice what they worship him for? Because he was the lamb who was slain. The glory of Jesus is seen in his suffering. Sorry, I'm going to hammer this point today because we've got to see it. Glory and strength and worthiness is seen in a cross, in a servant, in the blood shed 
for other people. And only he is worthy. There are seven expressions of worship. His power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise and they're all awesome. And they are all for Jesus alone. And then every creature bows down, says praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever be to this Jesus. Including those in the sea. What a, what a weird thing. Why is that? Including those in the sea are worshipping too. Remember what the sea is in the Revelation? It's the place where evil springs from. Even those who will uh, not trust in Jesus will have to be uh, will have to in the end admit he is Lord, he is King, he alone. Every creature, everyone. Okay, worshiping, and the four living creatures say Amen, which means Amen or truly. That's the way it should be. So it is. In total agreement with this, the Lordship, everybody, every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. He alone is worthy. Remember in Philippians 2, it says of Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name so that every... Every name, sorry, so the name of Jesus, every, every knee shall bow and in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice that, why are they worshipping? Why does everybody worship Jesus in the end? Why will everybody do it? Because he alone had the humility and the sacrificial love to lay down his life for others. Now the rest of really the book of Revelation is about the unfolding of these seals and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, history and all of that. But the question I want to, we want to see is what does this mean to us? And this, you're going to say, give me something practical here. Jesus is Lord. Don't anything more practical ever. Okay? Oh, sorry, Jesus is Lord alone. There's no one else. There's no one else worthy. Only Jesus. That's the confession of every Christian. If you're a Christian, your confession is Jesus is Lord. It's the truth. Jesus is Lord. Okay? Not because we say he is. Not because we allow him to be Lord. He is Lord. Right? Whether we admit it or not, he's still Lord. Yep. And... uh, yeah, there's, there's a pride in coming to faith. You know, when I come to faith, I was so great. I accepted Jesus as Lord. Yeah, wow. Good on you, Derek. That's sarcasm, right? Yeah? No, no, no. He's Lord before I accepted him. And I was in trouble if I didn't accept him. He alone is Lord. We are not. And he is the lamb who was slain. Now, Jesus... I'm Point this out again. Jesus was not glorified because of his raw strength, but because he was slain. If we look for a great leader, one who we would trust in this world, we will look to someone who is strong, who has authority, or perhaps they have a a great army, because from that you will get security and peace. True? Who do you want to side with? China or the US? Well, we're just going to wait and see who's got the most guns, right? And then we'll work it out from there. True? 
The one with the most strength is who you want to side with. Yeah? You ever, ever wonder why, um, excuse my language, but the, why does a bikey chick like the violent, horrible, strong bikey man? Because he might be a rotten man, but I'm safe with him because he's more powerful than everybody else around me. Do you understand? We, we go towards strength or perhaps superior technology and superior wisdom. We'll be safe, right, when we're, when we're under that. Or perhaps superior riches. Because if you've got a lot of riches, you can rule. So I want to be close to the rich guy because if I'm, if I'm getting his dollars, I've got power over my own life. This world looks to a lot of different ways to say, where can I find security and safety and rulership? But no one says that in a lamb who is weak. That's not where people look. To one who was obedient. To one who was self-giving. Okay. To the one who forgave. Forgiveness. Yeah, like, oh, I want to have a ruler who rules over the world with forgiveness. No, 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 we want someone who's going to be strong and stand up. And don't be forgiven, crush them. Kill them. Okay? You see, Jesus displayed the nature of God. And he did it most fully when he was the lamb. And he is always the lamb, by the way. He's the lamb right to the end of the revelation. He's always the lamb. He alone is worthy. Worthy is not a word we often use, but, but um, we get a road worthy for a car. And what does that tell you? Supposedly, providing mechanics who uh, have some integrity, he's saying that this car is safe enough to drive on the road and you're not going to be a danger to other people. And then I get my licence, which means that's a Derek worthy. Um, I'm worthy to drive and I'm safe and I won't run into anyone else. So Jesus is worthy of driving history. You get that? He is worthy and he is safe and he's capable and he's licensed and he has due care and he is the only one who has the quality and the functionality to rule over history. You get that? No one else can. Right? Give it to any of us and we'll crash history. Yep. If we honestly, if we took over Jesus' job ruling on the throne, there'd be a world war in minutes. Oh, well, maybe, maybe an hour or two. Wouldn't take us too long. Yep. He alone is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust because of who he is, because of what he's done. He is praiseworthy. He's worthy of our praise. Uh, apparently it's a word. He is thankworthy. He is loveworthy. These are real words in the dictionary. Did you know that? He is worthy of everything. Not just in South Australia. Real, real words. Okay. It's not just he's worthy because he's the son of God. But as a son of God, he shows the nature of God. Grace. Mercy. Love, self-giving. He's Lord because of humility, even up to death. Okay, you can see that Jesus is not like us. 
we uh, as Christians often make big statements. I'll give up my life. I'll take up my cross. I'll do this. But do you know what it means? It means becoming like Jesus. Which means what? Love, mercy, grace, forgiveness, giving up of ourselves, becoming lowly, lowliness, ouch. Every bit of our life wants to be control and ruling and better than and stronger than and greater than. That's not who he is. I want to go back to this bit again where he thinks no one can open the scroll and he weeps loudly. I'll say this again. We will live in permanent anxiety and stress and distress when we fail to see or acknowledge Jesus the ruler over history. I don't know, uh, I do know what's going on in a lot of your lives. I don't know everything, of course. But I know there's lots of pain. I know there are things going on which are totally out of your control. I know there are things that are going on that, that you, you wonder if they'll ever come good. Yep. Now, if you live at that place of wondering, can this be turned around, you will live with anxiety and distress and pain. But if you live knowing that there is one who is ruling over history, and not only is ruling over history, but he's the lamb who loves you and has forgiven you and has accepted you through Christ, if you know that this one is ruling can you see that that can milk your anxiety? It's good, isn't it? We can entrust ourselves to a faithful creator because he's gracious and merciful and he knows what he's doing. And we don't know what he's doing. So all we can do is entrust ourselves to him but understand he knows better than us on everything. Absolutely everything. There's not one bit that we can give advice to God because we know better than him. Do you know that? So what's going on in my life? Why is it like this? We can't answer that question. But know this. There is a lamb who was slain who is on the throne. And he's ruling over your life. And, and really, at the cry of our hearts again and again is to say... Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Keep looking to Him. Keep looking to Him. Because we are safe when we look to Him. And we are safe only when we look to Him. We only have peace, I mean. He's look, sorry. We are safe when we don't look to Him because He's ruling over us. But we don't have that peace in our lives unless we're looking to Him. So we're those who come to this land. And we keep coming to the Lamb. And he's always the Lamb because that is the only place where we have safety and security and joy, peace in our lives. Only at the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm going to pray. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for your love and grace and mercy shown to us through your Son. 
Thank you that you have shown yourself. You've displayed your glory to us. Thank you that you did this when we were unworthy and we'd done nothing to deserve it. In fact, we'd done everything to not deserve it. Thank you that we can know that you're in control of our lives. And uh, we just want to think on that for a moment. You're in control of our families. You're in control of our bodies. Our relationships. You're in control of world powers. Local powers. We thank you, Father. You're in control. And thank you that Jesus saved us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.